Hey everyone, this is your host, Rob Keynes at goldsilverpros.com. I wanted to do a real quick intro for the video today because we have two outstanding guests on. The second guest we have on is the legendary Andrew McGuire. One of the most popular guests we have on our show is back to talk about what's going on in the banking system and also gives us a good update on gold and silver across the pond and what he's seeing with those mysterious exchange for physicals that I talk about every Friday on the weekly market wrap-up. What does that mean and how does that translate trade from the U.S. to the U.K.? But before that, I have a very special presentation with Daniel Diaz, who's a legislative director of Citizens for Sound Money, a group that I've been involved with. We're currently writing legislation for the state of Florida to bring gold and silver back as legal tender. That's right. We want Florida to be the second state after Arkansas to bring gold and silver back as legal tender. And we have sponsors in the state of Florida to do this. We're also working in four other states, including Texas and New Hampshire. This video is very important. Stay tuned for the next few minutes as I discuss the effort with Daniel. And then right after that, stay tuned. Again, we have the legendary Andrew McGuire on the program tonight. Thank you, guys. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keynes of goldsilverpros.com. And during this very special presentation, I wanted to bring in a good friend and a patriot. Now, this is Daniel Diaz, Legislative Director for Citizens for Sound Money. Citizens for Sound Money is a nonprofit working to establish and promote the use of sound money uh, in the United States once again. Uh, Daniel, how are you? I am good, Rob. Thank you for having me on. So real quickly, for people who have never seen you, just give me the one-minute pitch on who you are and what your experience is and how you got involved in uh, Citizens for Sound Money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am the legislative director. I was recently hired in May of 2023 as the legislative director for Citizens for Sound Money. I am uh, the CEO and co-founder of a couple of uh, blockchain uh, companies, crypto mining and blockchain. So I'm a consultant on the blockchain side of things. And I reached out to Citizens for Sound Money uh, because of one of my projects, which is a gold-backed NFT project, and I needed some educational content about sound money. And I really got into sound money this year, but I was a stockbroker um, previously. I was in the insurance industry, so I have a pretty good grasp of the financial uh, side of the fiat monetary system. And then prior to that, I was also, uh, and I'm still in politics, uh, I was a, a lobbyist, political consultant, campaign manager for 22 years. So based on my background in finance, based on my 22-year uh, history in politics, uh, Citizens Sound Money thought it would be uh, advantageous to bring me on board to run their legislative initiative to push sound money legislation across the country. Fantastic. So uh, which group were you involved in politics with? <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> okay. I, was, uh, I, I like uh, the cherry on top was me being the executive director of Young Americans of Freedom, which is the oldest youth conservative organization in America. Mm -hmm. um, and before and prior to that, I started working politics when I was 16 years old and I started working on the Charlie Chris campaign. Um, in fact, I got plugged into the Christian Family Coalition, which is a large family organization and lobbying uh, group in Florida. And they're the ones that really plugged me in. And I worked for uh, campaigns as a volunteer. Eventually, I started working on presidential campaigns. I was Mike Huckby's presidential campaign in, uh, in Iowa and in Florida. I've worked on gubernatorial, senatorial campaigns. I ran the Congressman Steve Stockman's campaign in Texas back in 2012, I think it was. 
Um, so I have a lot of, of experience. I've worked in the local Republican Party in Florida. I mean, you name it. I, I've been all over the country. I've worked in D.C. I've worked in Texas, Florida, New, North Carolina, all across the country, different campaigns and initiatives and lobbying efforts. Well, fantastic. Well, welcome to the program and glad to have you as part of Citizens for Sound Money. Talk about uh, what your efforts are right now on the legislative side with regards to promoting uh, sound money. Absolutely. We have a robust legislative initiative. It's actually a three-part package. And I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and just highlight uh, those, those parts of the uh, legislative initiative here. So we have, uh, this is just our, our proposal that we handed to legislators in Florida. And we've had a lot of success gaining support in Florida. Um, so the first part of our legislative agenda is to recognize gold and silver as legal tender species. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but in the Constitution, it actually gives the states the right to mint money in the form of gold and silver coins, and that's it. Because of the issues with the Article of Confederation and states just printing fiat currency and collapsing and being worth nothing, the U.S. Constitution during the convention, they made sure no state could print money except in the form of gold and silver. Um, so we are trying to get the, the state of Florida and the other states we're targeting to recognize gold and silver as legal tender species and get rid of all tax liabilities for using any uh, tender species uh, form of money. The second part is establishing a state depository of precious metals so that the state of Florida can start minting its own gold and silver. And in here, we're asking the states to put a percentage of their gold and silver in their state reserve budget and also state pension funds because what i didn't realize i i'm recently new into the sound money of gold and silver and i didn't have any idea that over the last 20 years gold has outperformed both the s p 500 and the, the dow don't uh dow jones industrial over, uh, by a huge margin 50 plus percent over the last 20 years so i, I presented this to the senators and some state reps and they were amazed as well and then the third part is digitizing the state's gold and silver and creating an asset-backed digital currency that either the state charter banks can use and also the citizens within each state that they can use gold and silver as a means of, of bartering and, and, and ex exchange and so forth and actually using it to pay debts and, and likewise. The, this These three bills are individual bills that other states have tried to pass. We're drafting it as one omnibus bill where all three of these pieces of legislation will be pushed forward through the different state legislatures. So this is essentially, in a nutshell, what we're trying to do with our uh, initiative. And we've gotten some amazing, amazing uh, feedback from the state of Florida. So we went, uh, myself and the executive director, Marion Ward of Citizens Sound Money, we bought tickets and we went to Mining the Shrub, which is the world's largest Bitcoin mining uh conference and i set up meetings with a state senator and state rep and they were absolutely amazed they were on on board so we they, they agreed to be our sponsors then uh there was a speaker he was his name is jason holloway he is the uh the fintech director that was appointed by the governor it's a, it's a uh, cabinet appointed position he was so impressed this was on Thursday of the last week of July that we, we get, he was on the panel. We spoke to him. I shared this proposal with him. He told me the next day he wanted to present this to the governor, Governor DeSantis. So the governor wasn't there because he's running for president. 
he, sh he shared it with the um, the executive office of the governor, which is the cabinet. And the cabinet was so impressed with the legislation, they believe the, the governor will likely want to push this through Florida. They asked us to create a policy analysis with details of how it will be implemented, the effects on, on the state of Florida, and so forth. And we're currently in that stage right now. We have a, a committee a legislative committee that you you've recently been uh added into at citizens for sound money and we're all working together to review the policy analysis the different bills and combining with the uh, jason holloway which is the director of fintech policy in florida um to come up with a, a a package that we can present to the governor and then he can either decide to move forward or not they just had another meeting yesterday he texted me and said that the the cabinet's extremely excited about this policy analysis and the legislative initiative that we're trying to push through florida wow fantastic okay great stuff and you said there are a couple other things going on as well yeah so one of the things they wanted was to see if we can get some people who are influential in the state of florida and lobbying so tony verdugo i mentioned earlier that mm -hmm. i got politics in Florida through the Christian Family Coalition. He has agreed uh, to put out a statement saying that he supports what we're doing at Citizens Sound Money and has urged the legislature and Governor DeSantis to pass this legislative package in the state of Florida. Um, and with this, we have looking to not just work in Florida, we're looking to target five states, Florida, South Carolina, New Hampshire, Utah, and Texas. We were involved in the Utah gold bill, but we got in late and through my contacts in Austin, the leadership in Texas, it wasn't a top priority to get a gold back digital currency passed. So Texas meets every two years, we have an off year with Texas. So we're gonna be focusing on those four states. However, to do that, we need to raise funds to deploy me and other lobbyists like uh, Tony Verdugo um, in the different states. And because it's going to cost the, the lobbying costs, traveling, and so forth. We're looking to raise $128,000 by September 30th to start deploying um, ourselves and, and bringing in other organizations and lobbyists to push forward the sound money legislation. If we raise more than $128,000, we could even expand our scope from those five states to others we've already had. For instance, I met the, the Deputy State uh, Attorney General of Oklahoma who asked us to add them onto our legislative uh purview um and i shared with him like look we we have limited funds and if we're able to raise the, the capital we'll uh, we'll also look to target oklahoma there are other state officials that have reached out to us that are interested in what we're trying to do and it's so time uh how do you say it's timely it's timely that, that we're pushing this during the current economic times around the world with cbdc's de-dollarization and so forth yeah, I agree with you, um, Daniel, and it's so important that we do get support for this. I jumped on board this because I believe making honest, uh, using gold and silver and and even other asset-backed digital currencies, whatever we can, uh, you know, maybe even private cryptos, allowing for alternatives. You know, I'm of the Ron Paul uh, thought that we just need to allow the people to choose. We need to put alternatives out there and allow people to choose. But more specifically, we need to enforce the Constitution. Article 1, Section 10 clearly states uh, no state shall make anything other than gold and silver uh, the coin of the realm and for legal tender. And yet that's not what we have. So we're not following you know, the precedent that uh, the founding fathers uh, put in place for us. I'm going to go ahead and uh, Daniel, if we'll stop sharing screen for just a moment. 
Uh, for those of you that are interested in supporting this, we've already sent out an email to our network. I know that David Morgan did that as well, the Silver Guru. And if you're interested, go to Citizens for Sound Money and click on that donation page. We'd love for you guys to help us raise the money because we're fighting for you. We're fighting to bring gold and silver uh, back as money again in the United States. We believe it's very important uh, that we do that. And we believe that's the only way, uh, Daniel, that we're going to be able to fight the oncoming onslaught of central bank digital currencies. Uh, I agree 100%. And for the first 50 people who donate $100 or more, we're giving them two ounces of one-fifth ounce commemorative uh, uh, minted coins from Citizens Sound Money. We, we So far, 20 people have donated over $100, so we still have about 30 of those 10 packs available for the people who donate over $100 to Citizens Sound Money. And that's right. And in conjunction with Citizens for Sound Money, uh, we're showing the United for Sound Money forum here. If you're interested in joining a forum of people that uh, Daniel's a part of, I'm a part of, Citizens for Sound Money is a part of, it's United for Sound Money on Reddit. We established this forum for the purposes of talking about sound money. Uh, updates on that legislation will be posted here as it goes along. And uh, please join that community if you're at all interested in reestablishing uh, sound money back, you know, constitutional money back into the United States. Daniel, thank you so much for joining the program. We appreciate it. We'll have you back on to talk more as you guys make progress. And again, thank you. I'm very honored to be a part of that. Thank you for thinking of me and making me a part of that group. And I'll be fighting every day as well, you know, to make sure that we get that legislation in front of uh, people in the states that really want honest and open money. And I, I think that this is going to gain a lot of momentum as we go forward. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Rob, for having me on and being part of our, our legislative committee and doing everything you can to help push this forward. Yep. Thank you so much, Daniel. We'll talk to you again. All right. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keats with GoldSilverPros.com. I've got a very special returning guest to the program. It is Andrew McGuire. Everybody knows this gentleman for all the work he has been doing uh, in uh, his life, talking about gold as a gold trader, all the truth he puts out on the Live from the Vault show. And he is one of the most well-respected speakers in the gold and silver space. So definitely uh, very happy to have you on, Andrew. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this with us today. And Rob, you have my total respect, you know, as a forensic accountant, um, you, you bring a, a side to analysis, which which adds an extra edge because you, you you're trained in these in these areas. These are specialist fields. And when you like, I mean, we just did a little production with you on, on our show. And it's like and you're talking about absolutely you explained so well, for example, the average person would not be able to discern an options structure. Now, as you say, you have to drill down. It must take hours and hours and hours of work to drill through and know what to look for to find exactly the footprints that these guys have rigged the price to end at on a certain day. Yeah, and rigging is very prevalent in... Um in the futures market, we were talking, you know, before recording about, uh, I, I go to uh, every year to Silver Symposium, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Robert Goodman puts that on and it's David Morgan's a big fan of that. A lot of people go to that who are interested in silver and gold and it's, it's an industry, you know, conference every year. And last year I was there and there was a gentleman there 
who he'd been out of the job for about two years, but he ran for the CFTC, the 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 regulator of the commodities markets in the U.S. He ran the like their anti-spoofing and their what I'll call bad trades, you know, uh, investigation division. And he told me, and th this is on my channel because it was recorded at the conference, and I even did a review on my channel. He told me, Rob, I think we have the right pieces in place to enforce this, but the problem was, you know, there are some manual parts of the investigation. I understand investigations because I did, like you said, I, I have a master's in in information security. My specialty in my master's, which was digital forensics, and I have twelve years of audit, both in like accounting, business, technology across the spectrum. So kind of my background. So he and I kind of were kindred spirits in a way, and I'm interviewing him. And he said, Rob, you know, you know, in forensic investigations, you can have computers do a lot, but to get to uh, a, a level of detail you need, you need people, you need investigators. And that's why you can never get rid of human investigators. The computers can't determine intent. They, you know, they can't do some things. AI is not to the point where it can be quite like a human in, in that regard. And he said, and I said, okay, how many investigators do you need to, to investigate all the market? He didn't just cover gold and silver. He covered all the commodities markets. It's it's a thousand different products in his word, mm -hmm. in, in his words, that he had to cover. And he said, Rob, I would need 2,000 investigators. I said, how many do you have? He said, I had 12. And I and and I said, are you implying that you can't investigate all the trading on the market? And he says, and he said, I think we have a good system. <laughs> I was like, okay, but you don't have the people you need. You got a bunch of data sitting there. You don't have the people to follow up on it. Two other disturbing things. He said the standard had been changed that you have to prove intent. Well, how do you prove intent when you're looking at computer data? You can't, right? You can't prove intent. And uh, the other thing was he said, you know, there's a separation between the enforcement part of the CFTC and the investigative part. So sometimes they would send off the information to the enforcement part and it was like black box. They had no idea what the enforcement division was doing. So, so there wasn't a clear process for saying, you guys are trading on the markets. This is what you got to do. And here's the investigation and here's where you're guilty. And this is what we're going to enforce a penalty. So for all those people out there that think, oh, we have a CFTC and they're doing a great job. Yeah, to the extent that those people can. I believe he and other people in his department wanted to do the right thing, but they're not given the resources. The, the, the markets in the U.S. cannot be monitored. I want to state this again. They can't be. It's not that they're not. They can't be. The resources aren't there. The traders run it. The prison prisoners run the prison, essentially. That's the state of, of the American markets. And, and that's what when you when you think like an investigator, like, like we do, those are the types of things that you look for. It's not just that you have this piece of paper. It says, yeah, we've got, you know, a regulator. It's okay. What do you do? How do you do it? Can you do it? And it's really disturbing to see that. So when we talk about manipulation and spoofing and things and JP Morgan getting fined almost a billion dollars, well, <laughs> that's lucky they found that one. How many others did they not find? 99% probably, to be honest with you. Yeah, and this is this is you just mentioned the the very firm who hasn't lost a penny in any trades in all the years, and um, and basically uh, that that we know of, and they certainly boast about it, but um, but also got labelled as a criminal enterprise by the Department of Justice, and and so yeah, I mean you know this it's 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 in your face, it's in your face, and I think it's so blatant. And I remember when I worked for many years with uh, dear Bart Jilton, who is passed on now and he was he was a real star of a cftc um 
Well, I mean, they're quite, the commissioners are quasi-judges. So obviously anything that gets done has to be, has to pass through the, the grid or the, the network of, you must have at least three people, three commissioners voting yes, um, uh, even if two vote no, so it can go through. And it would always be a problem. And it, and it was like, yes, uh, we all know it's going on, but um, you know, then you kind of wonder just, but how much? How much vested interest is because he he talked about you know you know when we're trying to he said we're trying to do these investigations and you've given us 88 examples of exactly where the price was going to be the next day and yes obviously this is credible uh, and we know it's happening but the thing is is how do you how do you pin these guys down and it's like so <laughs> I mean literally how do you pin these guys down because yes you can you can provide evidence and yes the policeman that you speak spoke to he's a policeman he is integral he is very likely do, wants to do his job like any good policeman but the thing is is then in the meantime the commissioners are deliberately tied up and so you've got massive lobbying going on and he said do you realize that every single day with almost without exception we have fleets of jp morgan lawyers in here tying us up literally tying us up there's no bandwidth left to do anything it's like and it's deliberate and this was at the very same time when i think the head of this of the cme and the head of, and, and one of the lawyers from from JP Morgan, I'll never forget it, was trying to defund defund the CFTC. Thing. You've got way too many people. Guess what? At JP Morgan, we've got 300 uh, lawyers here. We could do a better job. Unbelievable stuff, Rob. Well, of course they could. They want to run the market, right? <laughs> it works to their advantage. So I, I want to ask you a question. You have a lot of insight on that side of the pond. I kind of cover the U.S. more than London. I try to cover... The UK, I try to cover Shanghai a little bit, but you're really the expert there. Can you give us some insight? You know, I've been talking about the flight of silver, you know, off of the shelves of these big exchanges. Uh, and even though some has come back on recently, it's a drop in the bucket from where we saw two and a half years ago with silver squeeze. I mean, we're, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that point. But what's going on on, on your side? Can you give us some, some insight into how healthy that market is? And, you know, what are the trends over there? I mean, specific gold and silver, or specifically uh, silver. What were we? Well, which were you? gold and silver. Gold and silver. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, well, clearly, I think what we've got is is some. Uh, we'll start with gold because it is the anchor for for it's joined at the uh, silver's joined at the hip. So, uh, and it's really interesting because there's such interesting stuff going on. Obviously, since the first of January. When gold became a first tier asset for the first time in over 50 years, um, it became a first tier asset class. So technically, it competes against first tier treasuries, which actually many, many people now perceive to have high counterparty risk. And, and you did a brilliant session just now, and maybe we'll get into it, where you, you really identified that this is a broken system. There's going to be ultimately be treasury defaults. So obviously, more and more people are looking and saying, weigh out my options here. Um, and if, if, if I, with all things being equal, yes, I need, I have to be involved to, to be invested in, uh, in, in US treasuries or bonds. But I do have 
some hedging opportunities now. There's another asset class, first-year asset class, it's called gold. And it's NSFR compliant, i.e. it's deliverable. Now, unfortunately, the average person on the COMEX siloed in there is not allowed to trade the NSFR compliant over-the-counter markets where you have to have each ounce, each ton physically backed. So the game is, of course, is that while only the, the only people that have a footprint in both markets, of course, the JP Morgans, the, the, the cartel, the, the, the managers of the COMEX. And, the, and so basically what, what's happening is, is that they are, and again, so much, you know, you're talking about regulators, it all ties in with regulators as well. So, so the CFTC published a COT report, which is three days delayed. Unbelievable in this picosecond world, three days late. I mean, that in itself tells you this is a rigged game because we know that Tocom, uh, when they used to publish it, was published at the end of every day, and that's going way back. So clearly, the technology's there. So clearly, three days delay. So, but when the COT report comes out, what it shows is one side of the picture that does not show the long positions that the same market makers have in the over-the-counter NSFR compliant deliverable physical markets and who are taking hedging their short positions but not one-to-one -one, they're hedging their short positions at a leverage so and managing that situation so so while while London uh, well the the rest of the world other than the COMEX is actually Basel III compliant the COMEX is not Basel III compliant so you've, th th there's an error, there's a problem there right away. So, so you've got this whole mixture of what we're just talking about. We're talking about the CFTC uh, trying to make sense of stuff, but they're not even getting the other side of the report. There's no requirement. I met with Andrew Bailey when he was the, the current, current governor of the Bank of England when he was head of the FCA. And he said to me, and we, we, we met in after Parliament, we got this stuff read in Parliament and we met with him. And, and with, our, with a, 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 a member of parliament and as a witness. And he said, okay, well, what do we need to worry about? I said, in fact, this is exactly what's going wrong now. It's the two big to fail banks heading for the cliff. So you know, obviously, and we're talking about leverage being employed that cannot be backed up. And he said, but Andrew, we, you know, we can't, the, 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 the markets are unregulated. The un unallocated, the, sorry, the, they're not necessarily unallocated now, but, the over-the-counter markets are unregulated. So what can we do? Um, so that, that says it all. So now you've got the regulators with one side of the picture showing short positions, but the on the other side, they're trying to get away with saying, yeah, but we're hedged. So it's, it's an equal transaction. So yes, we might put 30,000 contracts short on this uh, on, on in gold or, or silver, whatever it might be. But believe us, we're hedged. We'll sign off that we're hedged. Mm -hmm. But it's, un it's unregulated and un unable to actually be audited. Even perhaps, maybe you should come over here one day and, <laughs> and, and sit down with these guys, FCA, and say, look, guys, here's maybe how you could audit it. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. but anyway, so long story short, yes, some changes. So, yes, gold is, is, is so we've got this mess. And it's really caused by the COMEX, where interestingly, last Thursday or two Thursdays ago, uh, there was a discussion. The Fed met to, to have discussions about making the COMEX Basel III compliant. 
um, and and so on and so forth. If you're over 150 billion in in assets, you you must be Basel III compliant, which would necessarily, which would technically make the the the, the JP Morgans of this world compliant. Um, and obviously, we're going to see pushbacks against that and everything. But in the meantime, all of this is going on. Is that yes, the COMEX is diluting the price, and we see it again today. Trying to make some fresh lows. It's market interventions. I'm sure it's interventions based on the U.S. Treasury downgrades, uh, and then you know they come in and intervene in the markets because that's what they do. Um, but essentially, what we're seeing is a pushback. The little EFP mechanism, the exchange for physical mechanism that comes out the back door of the COMEX, is yes, China, uh, Russia. Uh, Anyone, any central bank mm -hmm. can say, you know what, we'll take that. Thank you very much. And we see large outflows of EFPs coming out of the, the COMEX and they immediately become NSFR compliant and deliverable. Now, not all of it is because some of it's a game between the, 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 the guys who have a footprint in each in both sides. And furthermore, should you set a fixed price based upon this COMEX related action, that fixed price anyway is fixed. So you can actually take delivery of that uh, PM fixed price, for example. In the meantime, we, interestingly, Russia, um, and uh, we know that the BRICS uh, summit is coming up next month. There'll be a lot of people trying to shoot down that it, there's anything going on at all, um, which, we, which we don't actually agree with, but... Um, not necessarily in the form people are thinking it, but essentially what Moscow has done is despite the ruble suddenly becoming, in fact, it's almost reached 20 March 22 levels when uh, when the invasion happened. It, it, it's actually the ruble has de has has depreciated. But but the 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 uh, ruble price as a spot price in a liquid exchange in Russia is trading at a constant two to three dollar premium to the London price all day long, absolutely tick for tick at a premium. The futures, the Moscow futures price also trading at a two to three dollar premium to the December contract, but it's deliverable. What are they doing? They're attracting bullion into their system. And so we are having, we're seeing some big pushbacks here. And when we see these kind of things happening and it's leading to something very, very, very real, which is the uh, uh, some physically backed currencies, which are all which are being discussed. And uh, certainly they're well. Uh, I mean, in fact, on the 1st of January, we saw a spare bank uh, digitizing physical gold as a trial. That's now well developed. So all of these things are coming together. So I would say that. Um, and it's a long answer, I'm sorry, but I think gold is definitely morphing out of the paper, uh, the paper world that it that it's been happy to live in, and it's moving into a much more physical uh, environment. I hope that's certainly the case, especially with the death grip that these big commercial banks have on the commodities markets in the U.S. Not only on gold, silver, it was we were talking about on your show, uh, live from the vault. Uh, as well, things like sugar and oil, it, it's not just gold and silver. We talk about gold and silver as I'm a gold, silver focused channel, but they control all the commodity trade. So if you're wondering where the oil price is going, just look at where the banks are setting their stops in the options market or how they're trading the, the futures. 
And I'll tell you, and a lot of people don't have that sort of background to do it. So we try to do it on our show to help you. But the big point is uh, those markets are manipulated. And, and I've been wondering about the EFPs that you mentioned earlier, Andrew, because according to uh, the CME Group's website that runs, you know, those markets here in the U.S., EFP is for, uh, as they word it on the website, uh, access to the unallocated, you know, gold market, OTC gold market. What I don't know, and I think you kind of alluded to this, but maybe you can break it down a little bit more potentially, or at least how it could work. Um, if, if you're taking an EFP from COMEX over to your side of the pond, do they always get physical delivery or are they trying to do like price arbitrage and just, or is it hedging? Why so many EFPs? Because the EFPs on the COMEX have blown out in the last year. There are tons of them every month. Some days we'll see four to 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 contracts of gold. And I'm like, that's a lot. Does that mean that we don't have the gold over here and they're trying to get delivery or, or what do people use that EFP for mostly? Again, it's, it, this is, again, this leads right into uh, the GLD, um, uh, the illusionary world of the GLD as well, where if you remember, and you know this, uh, is that anytime any on and off ramp into the uh, GLD, is unallocated, completely unallocated. So it has this window of not being NSFR compliant. So that could be an on and an off ramp. It could be because, because they're, 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 they're removing or adding um, bullion. And in this case, many can see they've been removing a hell of a lot more uh, than they're, they're adding. But yes, you've, you've nailed it. There actually is also because the average U.S. citizens cannot use an EFP because right. they're not allowed to trade <laughs> the over-the-counter markets. So that doesn't stop you taking a COMEX price and taking delivery, which is what you advocate. Hey guys, take the take the delivery. If it's if it's if it's been discounted, take forced delivery. Um, and but but really the COMEX is it's so difficult to, to it's high friction uh, and it, and certainly from our perspective, you know. Why, why would I spend the extra money um, having it shipped, uh, having bullion shipped from a Comex vault in New York all the way to England when I can I can EFP it, I can take delivery, but even more easier than that, even easier than that, I can because the price is set in on the Comex and affects the tail wagging the dog sets the PM fr uh, fixed price, which you may ask. Well, how come it just doesn't explode? Because it's contained. It's contained to just a few of these same ring-fenced guys. Most of the action is starting to escape this ring-fence and starting to leap into other exchanges like Moscow, like, uh, like, like well, which are other physical exchanges with China as well. So, so really, yeah, um, these EFPs can be messed with to some degree. So yes, that's why you're seeing these huge volumes. Uh, some of it is flywheeling GLD in and out. Uh, some of it is, um, but some of it is really being taken by China, by Russia and, and, uh, and, and really, so, uh, or hedging their positions, which they are physically backed. Everything that they do is physically backed. So yeah, um, EFPs are just really a backdoor um, that, saves an awful lot of friction but guys i mean i mean honestly rob have you ever or any of your friends ever tried to take delivery out of the comex vault 
Actually, uh, now that you ask, <laughs> last year I was part of a group of us that funded getting a 5,000 ounce contract of silver off the COMEX. It was headed by a friend of mine, Rafi Farber, who now lives in Israel. Uh, he hmm. was a writer with me on Seeking Alpha. And we got him enough money and he went for delivery and he couldn't get it. I mean, he could get delivery, couldn't get physical loadout because uh, I think he went through interactive brokers and like, we've never actually had anybody ever want physical loadout. We don't do it. There's only <laughs> two companies we were told by interactive brokers that facilitate loadout. And they said only people like JP Morgan and those types ever take physical delivery because JP Morgan does it for themselves and on behalf of their clients. So that most of the brokers that facilitate that futures trade on COMEX never deliver ever. Well, I mean, they can deliver the warehouse receipt, which is simply you take one name off of a pile of gold and you stick another name on it. That That's your warehouse receipt, right? But yeah. actually taking loadout, which is the what we were told is the real term for getting the physical outside yeah. of that vault, is yeah. only done by a couple of large banking entities. And to go through them, you know, you have to be one of the big boys. So in other words, we never got it. I don't believe we ever got it. Um, to my knowledge, and they're still trying to do it, but there's a wall there. You have to be part of the, the big boy club or the old boys club to get it. Supposedly, that market is for the people that anybody can if you can raise the money. We've raised the money. They didn't let us have it. And so we did a video on that last year. The average person's not getting gold and silver off of comics. It's not going to happen. And try and get bigger size. I mean, that, that you've just named one con, one, one bar, one contract, one, yeah, one bar, yeah. So, so, so you you you've discussed that. Try and get more out, then it gets even worse. And and we've, I mean, I remember, this goes back maybe two to three years from now, um, where we were getting delivery in Zurich, in in Liechtenstein, actually, um, of um, bullion, which actually came out of J.P. Morgan. I think we had. Uh, something like 600 uh, bars, 600 kilo bars, uh, 600 uh, 5,000 ounce bars, big order. And and then basically, then we saw, because we had a client that is wanting to accrue large amounts of silver. So then we thought, okay, then we had a warning. Any more orders like that, we're going to red flag you. So in other words, don't you dare order anymore. And, and so it doesn't matter where you go, your name is now. And bearing in mind, they help control all the banking system. So, so, so if you, you go to uh, someone like Standard Chartered, very big in silver, okay, they can access silver. But the minute that you say your my account number is X, no, it's not available anymore because you've been red flagged. And, and so UBS used to be behind this. UBS was very, they were pretty much controlling all the silver. And so, um, yeah, so you're, you're one bar, try and get more. <laughs> the guests, then they get really nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a have and have not market or the have nots, I guess, is the way. So if you're going to get your gold and silver, you're going to have to go through the retail market, If you know, and if you're the average person or go through the miners. I have friends that run Impact Silver out of Mexico. Uh, I, can't, I can't divulge names, but there are three companies Impact, uh, let's put it this way. A lot of the miners now have direct to industry contracts. Impact yeah. Silver has three with some very well-known well name brand companies, so I can't name. But in any case, a lot of the miners are circumventing the markets because of that friction, Andrew. 
and companies are going directly to them and taking it. Not only that, but a lot of the companies taking the other side of, these, of the physical delivery from the mines are helping facilitate the final refinement of that. They're not in that business, but why are they doing it? Because they have to, they can't get it elsewhere. I'm also told that I believe it's uh, Apple that has its own commodities group that manages their intake of silver among other commodities that they need. Uh, because it's not just gold and silver, it's hard to get. It's a lot of these commodities that are, that are hard to get. So if you're a big corporate, uh, a lot of these people are building sort of their own uh, trading houses, if you will, or um, what do you call it? acquisition groups, and they're going straight to the miners. And when you have big companies doing that, and that's starting to happen more and more, I'm, the whispers from the mining sector, I'm hearing that they're doing that more and more. One, it removes some middlemen from the equation. And two, it's democratizing access to the metals because the stranglehold that these four large banks have on the commodities markets is strangling industry. And when it gets to the point of strangling industry from silver, that's a bad thing because the most silver, as you know, injuries used in industry. And if we don't have silver, we're not able to record this video. You and I can't drive cars down the street. I mean, that's a bad thing. So uh, I, I think the markets are so strangled right now that that even industry is building sort of alternative pathways to get the commodities. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you may only need a gram of silver for your, for your iPhone production, but if you don't have it, if, if you were ever delayed and you had to shut that production line out because you couldn't get your silver, you would go to market and you would pay, someone will sell it to you, but it'll be a hell of a higher price. And so, yes, so th these guys have been very clever over the years to ensure that the Samsungs, the Apples, and the, 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 the industrial users have always had their supply. Whether anyone else was able to get it or not is irrelevant. They were making sure that, it, that that flag didn't pop up. And you're absolutely right. But I think the other thing we talked about accessing um, silver, obviously, and, and you know, that's where Kinesis can step in because we actually do provide, uh, uh, you know, and you can see the wholesale price on our, on our systems. We, we can access uh, the wholesale bars and then we can, uh, we can put them into smaller, into smaller units. And, 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 and obviously that can be taken delivery uh, it can be put on the blockchain and you can take delivery in a jurisdiction where you are. So so at least we've solved some of those problems, especially with silvers. It, it, silver can be a problem, especially if you want large size. But uh, so that's something that w at least we've resolved that issue for many, many people. Yeah, you have. And Kinesis is, does have the advantage of having allocated bullion exchange. So you have your own exchange yep. that you can use. Uh, Kinesis is also vertically integrated. Uh, down the supply chain in terms of minting. So Kinesis does have a lot of ability, access to world markets and getting access to supply that don't necessarily rely on, you know, these other markets that we talk, talk about and harp on. So Kinesis definitely has built its own pathways. And, you know, I think that product's going to be very resilient. People ask me about Kinesis all the time. Rob, what about Kinesis? You've been using it a while. And I say, yeah, I use it every day. A lot of times, you know, I'll send my employees uh, silver through Kinesis. We've made purchases here in the U.S. And I know Kinesis is working on getting their debit cards here in the U.S., but there are other ways to do it. I've used their gift cards to buy. For example, I use their gift cards to buy a bunch of construction supplies for a project I'm doing. So uh, Kinesis is wonderful and it's very frictionless. It's on the blockchain 
And so you can push a button and send money to somebody's email account if they're a Kinesis holder, or they can become a, you know, a Kinesis account holder. Uh, it's so easy to do. And it's a lot easier than driving to the bank to wire money. I mean, this is the future of trade. This is the future of business. It's so quick. It's so easy. People that are into the regular cryptos like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, HBAR, I would think would love a product like Kinesis because Kinesis offers those same benefits. But in addition, you've got that one-to-one -one backing of that gold and silver, which is audited. And I'm a former auditor, so I love that fact. I love the fact I can go down that audit report and say, you got your blockchain uh, accounting accounted for. You got your one-to-one -one gold audits now being done quarterly. I believe it was yearly before. Now there's quarterly audits at Kinesis. Yep. And not only that, but if you go to the Kinesis forums, we have independent users out there setting up their own nodes on the blockchain, validating it. So you know there's that independent group of people watching what Kinesis is doing. So I think there's a lot of integrity in what Kinesis is doing, and it's provided an alternative way for people to get access to metals, but also to transact using the metals in a blockchain in a way that the normal banking system won't allow you. And you know, one thing we were talking about before, Andrew, is how many bank accounts are being shut down. Yes. Uh, yes. You have some info on that. Tell us. Tell us what you're hearing. Yeah, no, this particularly, it came to light very much more in this country. Now, um, I've, I mean, one of the con my contacts is Nigel Farage, and I've done um, his show, I've done Talking Pints with him, and, but I also uh, interact with him on, on, on a more regular basis. Now, he, the, what came to light was his, his bank account, this is talking about three or four weeks ago, four, maybe four weeks ago, his bank account at Coots was shut down. Uh, and the reason was well, the reason was not given. I'm not going to give you any reason. And then he said so he did some digging. He did what is called a subject access rep a claim, which is a report. So he demands that, and that's like a freedom of information information. And it comes back that they cancelled him because his opinions and were differing from the banks. Now clearly because he had uh, inspired Brexit, which they didn't agree with, uh, because there was uh, inference that he was a, I mean, libelous, that he was a Russian agent. I mean, goodness me, the stuff that was on this file, all of it incorrect, all of it wrong, suddenly raised the flag and he went, you know what, I'm going public with this. Now, most people who have their bank accounts closed, and there are many, and this is what it's revealed, are so embarrassed, so embarrassed that they don't talk about it. Then it finds out, we turn out that a million bank accounts have been closed in the last two years and 1,000 a day are being closed in this country. And it is two things. One, they are monitoring your social media accounts. And if they don't like what you say about a transgender, about a pronoun or something that they don't agree with, they cancel you. A reverend walked into a into a, a what they call a little credit union and said, why are all these flags up? All these, I don't like these flags. Canceled him. Closed his account right there and then. So wow. this, this is one side. The other side this is a war on cash. And it turns out almost every one of these thousand accounts per day that are being closed are because they some in some way deal in cash. Cash is a legal product. Cash is not illegal because a gun is legal, but it's not it's illegal to shoot someone. But your gun is your gun. 
your car is your car you don't if you run people over then it's but your bank is a utility to shut down a bank account which is which is as important as water and as food and anything else electricity it's as important it's a utility as important as that and you cut people off without saying anything without giving them a reason and and suddenly we find out it's because they touch cash then suddenly you think hang on a minute you know where this is going this is going towards the central bank digital currencies they want to first of all remove cash from the system so that no one uses it and then the social credit system, which is actually, when you think about it, already in place, because if you disagree with your bank and they can cancel your account, because that is a social credit system and scary stuff, Rob, uh, though. So what we're doing and what Nigel is doing is created this massive up surge publicity. Even the government is coming in. One of the major bankers got fired. Uh, the head of NatWest, which is a massive organization, got fired, um, uh, you know, and, and, and they're pushing back against it. But but essentially, this is huge. And then I find out in America, same thing's happening. JP Morgan has been closing accounts. And because suddenly this narrative is out there and people don't feel ashamed about the fact that they were can their account was canceled, and they realize there are thousands and thousands and millions, it turns out, of people who've had their accounts closed because of onerous reasons, then it's coming to light. So I think there's a pushback. And I'm going to ask your guys on their side of, 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 the, of the world to find out, to do some digging, find out how many bank accounts are being closed um, of ordinary people. Why? What are they up to? Because in the United States, a bank account is is like a trust relationship. You're a beneficial owner. They own your funds. They own your money in the bank. They own mm -hmm. it. And yes, they have to give you equal value back. And there are rules about getting your money back. But I mean, it's not if you if, in the U.S. banking system, if you think you own your money, you don't own your money. And a lot of, you know, from Dodd-Frank, that legislation wrote a lot of bail-in law, which basically cemented the fact that if that if the bank goes insolvent or they can't give you all your money back. They could give you something else about you like shares in the bank or something. And, and that's it. That's the bail-in laws. It's on the books right now in America. So there's not a whole lot of, I would say, stability for account holders in America. You, you I, They can close it for any reason. They can refuse you service for any reason. They can lock your funds. Uh, if there's a bail-in, you may or may not ever get your money back. Ask all the people that had money mm -hmm. in Silvergate and SVP, SVB mm -hmm. and First Republic. Uh, it was a fight to get a lot of money back. So the banking system, it, it's, the banking system is turning into like a privileged uh, sort of thing. That it's a privilege if you're able to get and use one. Uh, the expectation used to be that, that everybody could get one and it serves the needs of community. And I think that's changed quite a bit. So I would just warn everybody, you know, be careful with that read the fine print when you're signing up for a bank account. It clearly tells you, um, you know, what your rights are and they're not quite what people think they are, I think. And so that's a little bit of a warning. You know, it's good to have some outside assets outside the banking system just in case it happens. And there could be a completely legitimate reason, who knows, but just have something outside the banking system so that you're not stuck. She had no access to her funds. 
So it's like, dad, I can't live. I had to loan her money, you know, which is right. no big deal. But at the end of the day, it was not convenient for her. Think if you're running a family or running a business and they shut you down. I mean, that you literally could lose your livelihood. Uh, that's how serious it could be for some people. And, and and you just mentioned, I mean, those bail-in legislations are, are global. They're everywhere in every single country in the world. So identical. This is all one big cesspit. Of, obviously, um, they're all interacting. But but I think I think it's so important when you think the power that that the this is where the pushback needs to come from because the power of being able to take a necessary utility away from you that you cannot live your life, then you may then have to apologize for a tweet you made. You may have to um, basically, you, and if one cuts you off, it's like cartel, they'll all cut you off. You'll, you'll be red list, you'll be blacklisted. Um, and even saying that word could get me in trouble. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it, this wokeness has now reached a point where, but you know, the what's amazing, I don't know if you're the same, but everyone I speak to without exception and they're outside of the gold world, doesn't matter, do not agree with any of this woke bollocks. I'm sorry, but they don't. And they just simply say, well, social media controls the narrative representing a tiny fraction of people who I have no problem with. No, I don't know. I don't live and love, let live to everyone on the planet Earth. But don't tell me I cannot say what I want to say. Don't tell me I can't have an opinion, uh, and that that is it's 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 terrible. And don't and then take my 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 bank account away for saying something you don't like. Unbelievable, Rob. We, it's it's time to push back here. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's going to be up to the people. And, and this is something, you know, in our country, uh, certainly the founding fathers warned about, certainly, you know, with the with the Magna Carta, uh, you know, in the UK, there are times in history when the people have to push back and say, I think you've gone a bit too far here. You know, I don't know if, 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 if that's what we're headed for here, but certainly as awareness builds, I think that people are going to start voicing their opinion and pushing back. And hopefully there's a balance there. You know, certainly there needs to be some form of government, but when the government is ruling over the people, uh, the few controls the many, it's certainly, you know, not been great situations in history, in, you know, in any country, and we don't need to go down that road, and I'll just kind of leave it there, uh, but I will say this, my father fought World War II, uh, we originally came from Germany, my last name is German, we came in the 1850s, uh, German Americans were some of the first to sign up for World War II, because they were so pissed off at what Hitler was doing uh, to the people there, they wanted to take their country back. And that's when my father signed up. He was a naval, uh, he was in the Navy, a medic and a radio operator who was in D-Day, landed on, on D-Day in the wow. second wave. And wow. he was utilized on the ground in the war. And, you know, I hope we never get back to that type of situation, but certainly mm -hmm. there's recent enough history to suggest that sometimes, you know, the people need to stand up to their governments and say enough is enough. Certainly want to do that in peaceful means is or we don't, don't want to get into anything yeah. beyond that, but it's a good I reminder. Agree. Sometimes stuff happens where you got to push back on any sort of totalitarian regime. Uh, my ex-wife came from Cambodia, uh, Pol Pot, one of the, the worst murderers in history. Mm -hmm. So this mm -hmm. definitely, you know, has occurred over time. I'm not saying we're in that type of situation, but we never want to go there. 
And where government overregulates or becomes too powerful in determining, you know, the the freedom of the people, it usually ends up in a big conflict. And and I just hope that we avoid all that. Is is really my hope. Well, you Andrew, have a vote. Thank you. You have Go a ahead. vote. Yeah, I say you have a vote. We we yeah, all have, we a, have vote. a vote. So can... so thank God we have a vote because but 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 this is what why it's important and we're going to go in a sec but listen people should listen to you this is about information this yeah. is about taking responsibility for ourselves this is about making a better decision for your life mm -hmm. and information like this is worth gold in itself so but Rob, thank you for having me on today. And I, I really look forward to coming back. And thank you for joining us on our show. Uh, valuable information. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew McGuire. And where can people find more information about you? I know you have a, a trading service. You want to talk about that for a moment? Well, Kinesis.money is, I mean, all my life is in, in Kinesis.money and uh, okay. believe in it. It's, 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 we're really changing. There's a social aspect to this as well. This is a big picture and it's a world, a global solution. So yeah, come on, people can check out, get on the Kinesis money, um, dot money website and, and, uh, Kinesis money website and, and just see what we're up to and get a free account. Have a look, see what we're doing. Yep. I agree with you. Thank you so much, Andrew. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, Rob. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.